Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Y'all, we are in uh, message number two of the second week, rather, because we had our Sunday service and with Pastor Lincoln and then Pastor Kiri brought us our Wednesday night message from this installment of the Encounter series, The Faces of Deliverance. Amen. And even as we are talking about deliverance, you know, Pastor Lincoln set up our foundational scripture and our foundational scripture, y'all, is Luke, the fourth chapter, and it's the 18th verse. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set in liberty them that are bruised. Glory to God. And so even from our foundational scripture and having, you know, the, the commission, amen, and the permission, amen, and the authorization, amen, from our senior pastor to continue in the vein of this, uh, of this faces of deliverance that we have uh, now, like I said, in second week of coming off the faces of, amen, worship. And so, y'all, I am going to build on that, if you will. I want to ask you to come on and honor God by standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. And so, y'all, our scriptures for today, and um, I, when I see you, Pastor, you get to be some gymnast. Amen. With me, you get to be, amen, somebody who came to mean the scriptures. Glory to God. Because if you come to church and you don't want to hear no Bible, you have come on the wrong week. But here we go. So, 2 Samuel 12th chapter, and I'm going to start at verse 7 through 11. Stay with me. It said, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee and delivered thee, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house. This is verse 8. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. It says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never Never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the son of this son. Come on, y'all. Then we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15, and I'm going to be doing verse 14 and 16. And it says in verse 14, 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 15, verse 14 and 16. It said, And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make seed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines. Let me slow down, put a little emphasis on that. And the king went forth and all his household after him and the king left ten women 
which were his concubines to keep the house. My God. Y'all, then we're going to go over to 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter. I'm going to do verse 20 and 23. I know y'all so glad I read fast. And it says, then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go in unto thy father's concubines, which he have left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent on the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubine in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. And y'all look at this. Second Samuel 20 and 3. It says, and David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house and put them in ward and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up unto the day of their death, living in widowhood. Y'all, I want to give a special shout out to Bread of Life. Amen. Amen. I certainly do appreciate their labor this morning. Y'all, we're talking about the faces of deliverance. Amen. Y'all, Pastor Lincoln the foundation for the scripture, the foundation for this series. Not only did he give us a scripture, he also gave us a foundational definition, amen, for the word deliverance that we will be working with today and I'm sure throughout the rest of this series. And he defined deliverance as the act of setting free from bondage, amen. And y'all, I want to talk to y'all about this bondage. Y'all, who is going to set these 10 women free. Who's going to do it? Who's going to set these 10 women free? Glory to God. Y'all, I'm going to go through, because I, I know I gave you a lot of scriptures, and I'm going to go through these scriptures block by block, and I'm going to start with this first block of scriptures that we have, which is 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Amen. We did 7 through 11, and I want you to just be able to look at them for a minute and be able to concentrate on them and listen to the sound of my voice. Amen. Because, y'all, it says, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Let me tell you something. Y'all, I had a conversation maybe about a good three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago with a saint who had texted me and they began to ask me questions about deliverance and they were specific in their deliverance question to the point of generational curses and as we began to talk about generational curses I think she was surprised <laughs> I told her I wouldn't tell her name I think they were surprised amen that I did not give them the go-to response you know what we what we know to say which is all right don't get me wrong I don't want to use words like program to say this what we post no, but I'm telling you, you know, just what we know as being spiritual people, as being prophetic people about, you know, generational curses and how they have the, the ability to, you know, somebody did something a long time ago and work their way down through the bloodline and the bloodline begins to deal with that. But what I began to deal with when it came down to generational curses is to absolutely dismiss her generational curse, my God. And I think it really took her by surprise that I did not for a second feed into it because I'm like, uh, what I perceive 
here now is that there is a scapegoating. Can I get anybody? If there is a scapegoating right now that is going on where if we could get rid of all the curses, then we would just be perfect and life would just be all right. And so I need to know how to fight these curses. Because if I fight these curses, then, you know, I don't have to fight nothing else. Amen. And sometimes, y'all, we use deliverance to do the work so we don't have to. Good God Almighty, that's free. That's free. That wasn't in the notes. That's fresh download. Who prayed for that? Y'all did. Come on here, somebody. And I want to tell you that sometimes we use deliverance, amen, as our scapegoat from generational curses. Stay with me. Y'all, I think it through her. Amen. And I was at a loss, really, for her response to being so thrown because I was like, how in the world am I losing a prophetic, anointed, tongue-talking, fire-walking believer in this conversation? It bothered me to the point that I, 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 I called them back, but I didn't get them. They called me back. I didn't get them. I did not know then that today was going to happen. And it just seems, though, that we're using generational curses as if they are to blame for what has happened to us. And if we just rebuke enough of those, that we'll be safe. And, you know, if we could just rebuke enough generational curses, and it would be a safeguard against everything else, and then our life was going to be all right. And even as I listened, you know, to the message last week with Pastor Lincoln, and even Wednesday with Pastor Kerry, and when I realized that I was the speaker, because I didn't realize it till Wednesday, that I was the speaker for this Sunday, the assignment bothered me, y'all. And let me tell you something. I remember I was speaking to, to one of our prophetess. She won't mind if I drop her name. Prophetess Portion, you know, this week. And I was like, you know, I need to talk to the pastor. I need some direction on this message. And she was like, you know, you don't have nothing. I said, well, you know me. The problem is not that I don't have nothing. The problem is I got too much. I got seven sermons. No direction. And let me tell you something. So I, I, I talked to Pastor Lincoln on Friday. And I said, Pastor Lincoln, I said, it seems like that this deliverance that you have us in now, the faces of deliverance, it seems like listening to you from Sunday and it seems like we're Pastor Kerry left things on Wednesday. Ah, that we're going in a different direction this time. That this is not deliverance as usual. This is not the same deliverance you done already had 12 times. Can I get one witness? I hope the chat blowing up. God can't read it, but we'll see. Amen. This is not the deliverance you had three weeks ago and it didn't stick. No, no, it ain't. It ain't the deliverance you had 10 years ago. Oh, God. Are you back in the set? It ain't that. It ain't that. This deliverance right here, right now, and the face of what it looks like and I begin to pick Pastor Lincoln's brain amen and be a friend of his mind amen and say man of God where what's the vision y'all let me tell you something what's the vision for for where you going with this what do you want each speaker to build on what do you want us to capitalize on where are you ultimately taking the people and how can I take my message and fit it into your vision amen so that we've officially walked the people to the place God would have us to be y'all verse 10 Y'all, let me tell you something. This whole scripture set, this whole chapter was after David had looked over and he saw Bathsheba. Y'all y'all know the story. If you don't know the story, uh, we'll find, find out more about it on Wednesday. That's when we do the teaching. Amen, y'all. And he had looked over on the roof and he had saw Bathsheba. He said, that's, I, that's me right there. I got to have that. And he called her over to his house, you know, and then he had her husband killed to cover up the pregnancy because she ended up conceiving. And so Nathan had come and he had, Nathan the prophet had came and gave David the story about a man who had a ewe lamb 
Oh, come on here. And the rich man who had plenty of sheep. Uh, he said this man had everything he wanted. And he went and got this one man's lamb. And David said, Oh, we're going to kill him for sure. Oh, David had all this mouth. You know how you got mouth when it ain't you. Y'all, he had all this mouth, y'all. And Nathan said, thou art the man. Thou art the man. And it said, now therefore shall net the sword. Y'all, the sword shall never depart from thine house. Because thou hast despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. And y'all, let me tell you something. As I, I told you just a second ago that I had talked to Pastor Lincoln. And I said, man of God, you know, I was telling him about this is not deliverance that we've ever known before. And you know, as he began to talk to me about what deliverance was supposed to as he began to talk to me, y'all, about what deliverance is supposed to look like in this hour and in this season. And the man of God said something to me that I've never heard before. He said that the soul tie that the people need delivered from in this hour is to and from a moment. A moment. Y'all. He said the people are so bound to a moment. And let me tell you something. When you think of soul ties, you think about, you know, girls. You think about guys. You think about friends. You think about, you know, lust. You think about all those things that you need delivered from. Ah, but it's a moment in time. Good God, I'm sort of my, oh, I'm supposed to stand still. I can't do it. I can't do it. They give me, they tell me my parameters. Got a little to the left, a little to the right. Good God, I'm mine. Let me tell y'all something. He said, deliver the people from the moment that they're stuck in time. Deliver the people. He said the people need deliverance from a moment. Good God Almighty. Y'all, let me tell you something. The moment that David saw Bathsheba, he still had a chance. But when he said, tell her, go send for her. Y'all, he still had time. But y'all, by the time she got there, yeah, this all the checks, all the, all the conviction, he, he let it all go. But that moment... That moment, that, that moment of passion, that moment of indiscretion, that moment of, of just having no discipline, that moment of greed, y'all, the moment that he could just do what he wanted to because he got power like that. The moment cursed his whole life and his whole family. You know what? I'm not going to use that word too early. I'm not going to use cursed because, y'all, Nathan came and he said, now, at the moment of the prophetic pronouncement, all of David's lineage was stuck in that moment all the way up till Jesus came. 27 generations from David to Jesus. 27 generations. They were all stuck right there. Y'all, I want y'all to stay with me. Because when the man of God said that we need a deliverance from a moment in our life, y'all, David's lineage was bound to the moment that David did not humble himself to the moment that he overrid or overrode his healthy no. Y'all, that moment changed everything. Y'all, he wasn't the victim of a curse. He was the originator. <laughs> oh, 
I can't get no help, y'all. Listen, and listen, even as I begin to, to speak to, you know, and, and develop the message, you know, you always got this devil in your ear who I was trying to, you know, and, and it's a religious spirit. Let's be clear. I'm going to call it what it is. This religious spirit is speaking to you. And I said, well, you know, okay, if it's not a, if it's not a, a you know, a generational curse, then, you know, David was the one who said, you know, in sin, you know, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Because remember that particular psalm that he spoke, you know, this is the psalm where he was repenting for having slept with Bathsheba. And he said, you know, I was born in sin. I was shaping in iniquity. And God began to take me even to what we know. And listen, 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 because you're going to have to know something now about how the Bible is written. Because the Bible as literature has many of the things that you're already familiar with. And when David goes and says, in sin did my mother conceive me, that is what is called a hyperbolic, poetic exaggeration <laughs> oh Jesus hyperbole Psalms is full of them what is hyperbole what is poetic exaggeration it is exaggerated statements or claims not to be taken literally it's the same type of thing where David would say uh you know I'm 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 what's one of the things because he always doing something David was always explaining something to the most you know like um I had all these examples, but you know how you be exaggerating. You use your own life, but I'm talking about how like, how like uh, one of the examples in the New Testament is when they said how hard it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's an example of a poetic exaggeration. It's an example of hyperbole. It's an exaggerated statement or claim not to be taken literally. And like, this, like I said, the Psalms is full of all of those examples. You think I would have wrote one down, but this is the one that I brought before you today. And as God began to speak to me about prophetic people, about generational curses, I was surprised that God threw in the spirit of exaggeration. Good God Almighty. I didn't do this to myself. He did it to me. And God said, sometimes, sometimes, some people, uh, come on here. We have exaggerated the effects of our bloodline. I'm not talking about excusing it. I'm talking about you've exaggerated it. I can't get no help, but let me bring it on home to you because we all got that one person in the family. They exaggerate. <laughs> Listen, I, I know I'm getting ready to go somewhere and we ain't going to like this because sometimes not only do we exaggerate what happened to us, sometimes we exaggerate our response to it. Y'all know, you all got that one brother, that one sister. We all got that cousin. We, you know, we all grew up in the same house, but let them tell it, honey. Honey, it, they, honey their life was so much worse than everybody else in the house. And I, I, I get it. There are legitimate black sheep. There are legitimate people. You know, I ain't talking about them. I'm talking about the one who you looking at. And you said, now, 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 no, you're just using that for an excuse. <laughs> oh, no, you're just exaggerating. Oh, you lied or you put no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can walk in some forgiveness. You don't want to because you're exaggerating. You have to exaggerate it to the point that it becomes your excuse <laughs> oh god but when david said in sin that my mother conceived me that is not the root that we have typically blamed for the scripture for uh, for the reasoning if you will behind generational curses that was just David being dramatic, <laughs> y'all that was just David being extra and so what we have here with that hyperbole and that poetic exaggeration is we have a group of people now who have taken whatever 
ever new uh, or even old phenomenon that we can latch on to in the word of God or we heard in church and we heard, you know, in spirituality and we heard because we've been on the pew, we, we brought up in church from the pew and we pew board and all of this and it becomes your new thing. Verse 11 says, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. And y'all, it is from this day forward that it was on with the curses. It From this day forward, y'all, it was on like donkey call, honey, when it came down to them curses. But I want to tell you. That David, he did not do this under a generational curse. He did it to start one, good God from Zion. Y'all, it got so bad with the curses until if you begin to, if you know, as you begin to progress through the story of what happened between the time when David saw Bathsheba until we get to where we're going today. Y'all, it was a whole lot of curse words. I mean, it actually said that curse, C-U-R-S-E. It's more here than anywhere else in the scripture over and over and over. It's got, verse 16 has it so many times it just trips you out. Well, the curses, and David will walk by and the people will curse him. And matter of fact, if we want to get real serious about it. David was cursing Joab way back in the day, you know, oh, cursing Amasa for killing Joab, however it goes. But, the, you know, David was known to curse people and then the people would begin to curse David. His sons cursed at him. Kings cursed at him. He would just be walking by and they were cursing him. It got so bad, y'all, that in chapter 16, it said, that he actually said, if God told them to curse me, if God, if not the devil, if God told them to curse me, so be it. And y'all, can I just be honest right now because I'm at the point right now y'all where I cannot run down another curse I cannot run down another generational curse because if the truth be told right about now I'm doing all I can not to curse my own life good God almighty I say I'm doing the best I can not to curse my own life I'm doing the best I can not to tell my own family some stuff I'm doing the best I can not to tell my own self some stuff I'm doing the best I can not to tell the saints some stuff I'm doing the best I can not to tell the world some stuff. I'm trying so hard not to tell me some stuff. I'm trying so hard not to curse my own life until I ain't even got time right now to worry about who touched me and who done me wrong. I'm trying so hard right now y'all to not curse my own self. I'm trying so hard right now not to curse my own children. I'm trying right now not to speak a word, you know, that'll ruin my grandbaby's life because of my own bitterness there. Y'all, I'm trying to tell you, if you would just be honest, y'all, it ain't the curse, amen, that somebody passed down to you. It's the curse you try to keep from passing to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, you grew up in a two-parent household, but it's the curse that tells you to make your two-parent household one. <laughs> y'all, oh, it's that curse that tells you to get your stuff and get out. Good God Almighty. It's that stuff. <laughs> y'all, listen. Yeah, you didn't grow up with no thieves, but let your money get tight and see if you don't have a curse where you'll curse your own finances with stealing and not paying tithes. You'll do it yourself. Y'all, because to be honest, I got a few curses for some folks. I ain't talking about profanity. That ain't what I'm talking about profanity. I'm talking about some until you do right by me. I ain't going to even put my fingers on y'all. I don't even want y'all to say. I ain't going to put nothing on. But until you do right by me, everything you think, I want to put some of that on somebody. 
David. He didn't have to, he didn't catch himself before he did something. And I'm trying to catch myself. I'm trying to help you catch yourself before you do something or say something that's going to ruin it for everybody. Y'all, the second block of scriptures I want to deal with is that second Samuel as we progress through the word of God. Second Samuel chapter 15. Amen. Verse 14. Amen. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And y'all verse 16 says, and the king went forth and all his household after him and the king left 10 women which were concubines to keep the house. Y'all, you ever hear people, they talk about everybody, but you were not no part of that. You're just wondering. Because it said in verse 14 that he took all his house. And then it says in verse 16 that he left 10 folk in there. Y'all, we're talking about deliverance, right? We're talking about deliverance because David delivered all his goods, right? And he delivered all his goods into the hands of these 10 concubines. But don't y'all know that sometimes, you know, because we, we're going to play with the word a little bit, deliverance. It's just like, you know, Amazon, like Pastor Lincoln talked about, like when you're delivering packages, you know, we went through all those different types of deliverances. And when somebody delivers something to you and, you know, this is what he said, Timothy, keep that which has been committed unto you, which was once delivered. And sometimes, y'all, sometimes people deliver something to you. Sometimes they dump something in your lap. Good God Almighty. Anybody feel like they dumped this in your lap? Anybody feel like, you know, not only do you have to be the one in the family, but do you ever feel like sometimes your family dumped it all in your lap? Y'all, let me tell you something. Reminds me of Cain, you know, reminds me of Adam. The Bible said that God cursed the ground. Come on. And I know Cain, yeah, he shouldn't have killed his brother and all that. But I want you to consider something for a minute. That Cain was a keeper, was a tiller of the ground. Amen. Y'all, the ground is what God cursed when Adam, you know, for, for Adam's sake. And first time Adam had a son and that son got old enough. Amen. Adam dumped his curse on that boy. And that boy was out in the fields. And then we always look and then we want to talk about he killed his brother. And don't nobody family want to take responsibility for why that boy was mad at his brother in the first place. Because daddy gave me the curse and he gave you the blessing. Don't nobody say that. God cursed the ground for Adam. And first son that Adam had, he gave it to him. You were talking about a generational curse. Y'all, but Adam got to keep his reputation. Yeah, watch this, watch this, watch this. Y'all, he left all his goods in the hands of these 10 concubines. And y'all, let me tell you about what began to happen. And let me tell you how we got here. Because remember, Absalom, I'm sorry, the prophet Nathan has already spoken to David. And he's already told him, because of what you've done, yeah, come on here. The sword is never going to depart from your house. And he said, I'm going to take, you know, your, your wives and give them to your neighbors and other men and all this stuff. And the sword should never depart from your house. And this is the summate, this is uh, like the, the, the unfolding of that if you will it's an application of what's going to lead up to this chain of events to bring about Nathan's prophetic word 
And so one of David's sons, Absalom, has risen up against him. It ain't like they all went. Come on, y'all. Think about it, y'all. Adam, I said, well, I said earlier that Jesus was 27 generations from David. He was 14 generations. But David had 27 children, right? And you can't name a six of them, but David had 27 children. David had a kid named Daniel. You don't never hear nothing about him. Every time we bring up Daniel, we talk about the prophet Daniel. But y'all, listen, David had 27 kids. But you can't find nothing good to say about between none of them. Whoever wasn't, uh, uh, you know, just put to obscurity and you, you, yeah okay Solomon got to write a book we don't take nothing away from Solomon's book but when you get done reading his book when you start reading his lifestyle Solomon died plotting the murder it's bullshit <laughs> come on here now all that he had going for himself he despised it all and he died plotting murder but we so caught up in the poetic exaggeration we so caught up in it sounds so nice and, the, and what we look like. And we're so caught up in our, our suits and our families and our jobs and our money. But there's somebody that know the truth about your character. And God didn't hide it. He put it right in the books. But we tend to skip over these chapters. And we don't want to read nothing about these chapters. Because we don't know how to explain these chapters. And, it's, and we don't want God to look bad. And we don't want Christianity to look bad. But it's up to Pastor Lincoln said one time. That God don't have low self-esteem. He can take it. God knows the truth about his 66 books. And he can take the revelation of it. And that's what we're going to do today. David. It's on the run because his son is going to kill him. And he got these 10 women. He left them in the house, y'all. And as we skip to verse, say, we're going to go to 2 Samuel 16, verse 20. Y'all, it says, then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel among you what we shall do. And I'm going to go ahead and go from 20 to 23. Give counsel among us what we shall do 21 and Ahithophel said to Absalom go in unto thy father's concubines which he have left to keep the house and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father then shall the hands of them that are with thee be strong so they spread Absalom a tent up on the top of the house and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel and the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Y'all, I want to tell you that this thing was, y'all, listen, this thing was prophetically authorized. I want you to know right now that it was not just that Ahithophel was, um, he, his voice was as the oracle of God. And David himself Listen to Ahithophel. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you a lying prophet or off prophet or a warlock. None of that. Ahithophel was authorized because he was the follow-up mouthpiece to what Nathan said. Ahithophel says, Absalom, this is what you should do. Them ten wives, them ten concubines that your daddy left in his house, them things that's a little less important to him, you know, all of this stuff. He said, go sleep with them. Y'all, I want to tell y'all something. When he spread that tent up on the roof of the house, it was the same place. Good God, out of my shoulder. Come on, it was full cycle, full circle. That thing came back. Come on. Y'all, it was the same place, the same rooftop that he brought Bathsheba to, another man's wife. His sons spread it out in the same place. It was the same rooftop, not the same rooftop Bathsheba was on. But when he sent for her, it was the same rooftop that started when David, that was the, that was the, 
foundation, if you will, for this lifetime generational, what has become to be known as the curse of bad behavior. Y'all, I want to tell y'all something, because believe it or not, I'm, I'm talking about these women. I ain't, I ain't studying the hit of a tail. I ain't worried about no Absalom. We ain't even talking about David like that. Y'all, I'm going to tell you about these 10 women. I'm going to tell you a little something about Bathsheba, too, because what we do is because, you know, we moved on, you know, because, you know, because the reality is it's rapist. It's rapist. It's just, it's just rapist. That's all it is. It's rape. There is no balance of power. There is no consent. Oh, when the king said it, the women had to come. And let me tell you something. We've smoothed that thing right on over, and we made it seem all right because you know because you know the first child died that David had with Bathsheba and then you know she said well swear to me that my son is going to be king and that's how Sam Samson so I'm sorry uh, what's his name y'all spit it at me his son Solomon got to be king thank you thank I took a bread of life down on the day y'all Solomon got to be king but it was the consolation prize oh God I done killed your husband I don't rape you. I, listen, I don't care how you romanticize it. When he called Bathsheba, she had no choice because of his power and his influence and because of how the laws were structured that Bathsheba could not refuse him. Uh-huh. And we got these 10 women who David left in his house knowing full well that his household was cursed. Good God Almighty. He took all his house and left them and let me tell you something while we are doing great things and we are fighting fake great battles and all of this stuff but the truth of the matter is we're leaving some people in our wake and we're leaving some people in our, in our come on here somebody we're leaving some people come on here in the shadow of what we've done and they're sitting and they're looking at us and they're looking at everybody celebrate us and they're saying oh they're getting a hand praise and oh they're getting a hand clap and they're getting medals and they're getting all of this oh but I know who they really are come on here it's many a veteran y'all I'm a veteran it's many a veteran we give them some you know make them war heroes at which they are I don't take nothing away from that but if you had to count how many some people that they done raped them some of them countries come on somebody if you had to count how many come on here they, they, they'll go to Mexico and sleep with children good God Almighty and we are we, we just gloss on over it why do you think the scripture says uh, that if a man beat his wife you know he not fit for that God knew that domestic violence wasn't going nowhere because you were a preacher. God knew that chauvinism wasn't going nowhere because you were a husband. God knew, come on here, that lesbianism wasn't going nowhere because you were a wife. He knew that no matter how holy and righteous you create your household and grow them up, he knew that your children still have the ability to do this thing called make their own decisions. <laughs> Good God Almighty. Y'all, I'm telling you that he left these 10 women and Absalom took them and he lay with them. And y'all, y'all, I'm telling you, these women, their lives. Y'all, 2 Samuel 16 and verse 20, he's going spread this tent and he's sleeping with all of them. And he is raping, in effect, these women and molesting and abusing these women who have no say. And knowing full well, you know, that the consequence for them is death. He knows it's death. You know, this is, this is, this is no, there's no pretty way to put it, you know. This is the same boys that David had who, we already know Absalom, he raped his sister. Come on, y'all. We already know what's going on here. And he took advantage of the concubines of David. We're not romanticizing nothing today. 
We're not putting no, well, they, they, they didn't have, they went along with it. No. And we're going to keep it in prophetic contents because what we tend to do sometimes is when we see horrible things play out, we tend to blame it on horrible people. What we do is when we see horrible things play out in families, we tend to, like I said earlier, scapegoat that curse. Amen. So that it's always something that somebody else dealt with that we need to break. And we never get around to whether or not we're going to be the breaker or just the one to pray about it and call it broke. <laughs> right. And so, y'all, a hypocrite gave counsel that these women were to be defiled in the way in which they were. Y'all, Second Samuel 20 and 3. It said, and David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up until the day of their death, living in widowhood. That's a rarely heard story about David. Yeah. That's a rarely heard story about King David. King David knew the battle. King David knew the battle was coming to the home front. He ditched. God Almighty. Oh, you put in extra hours because you ditched. Yes. Oh, I'm in your business. I'm in your business. You went to your mama's house. You ditched. Come on, somebody. You keep taking all these vacations. You just ditching. You come out. Yes, you just ditching. He knew that the council was going to come behind his four walls. And so he made sure he wasn't there. And he left these 10 women to take the fall. Y'all, it wasn't no generational curse. It was a generational judgment. Jesus, I'm a running place. I'm a running place, running place. It wasn't no generational curse. That's got you messed up. It's a generational judgment. That won't nobody own up and tell you about. David could have told these women, hey, listen, y'all, all my generation is cursed. And I'm just going to tell y'all, you know, it might hit you, might hit your life, might hit your kids. It's something your daddy should have told you that he part of generational, uh, you know, judgment. Because, you know, when you think about curses, you know, it's so easy to, again, take on the mindset that the devil did this. But if God had a conversation with your grandfather, and you out here fighting curses, but it's a generational judgment. Your warfare going to be unsuccessful. I can tell you that right now. Because you're not fighting the right thing. <laughs> oh, oh y'all. If your warfare is getting worse and not better, if it's ineffective, and you're starting to find out, because I hey y'all, Ancestor 23 and me will tell you, y'all, <laughs> listen, 23 and me, Ancestor.com, they'll all tell you, I took two of them tests last year, they told me who was lying, hey, but I don't know if I want nobody to take a test, or they might find out I'd be a liar too, y'all, let me tell y'all something, David shut these women in until they died, y'all, now you hear yourself right now do you hear yourself right now do you hear how you are romanticizing I know a couple of us are shocked but as soon as you get over your shock then we go to saying well you know this and you know that don't be no theologian like me don't be don't be too two sentences deep in the scripture and then you got every other scripture that's running to soften the blow and cushion this but let me tell you something 
There is no reasoning for it. Y'all were going to have to call sick, sick. Because, eh, because they that are whole have no need of a physician. We're going to have to call sick, sick. And pervert it, pervert it. Y'all, let me tell you something. Absalom spread this tent. Y'all, I, I want you to go with me back to verse 22. Absalom spread this tent up on the top of the house. I remember I told y'all earlier about a conversation that had set up the urgency for this message. I want to read to y'all. I have the person's permission. And, um, and I have prayed and asked the Holy Ghost not to put their name in my mouth when I say it. I want to read y'all this very short text exchange. This is the person who said to me, random question. How do you break a generational curse that you have and haven't experienced that you haven't had an experience from going to the next generation? Is it just a matter of renouncing and denouncing, of rebuking and denouncing? Let me read that again. How do you break a generational curse that you have or haven't experienced from going to the next generation? Is it just a matter of rebuking and denouncing? And I said, it is a matter of making different, presumably better decisions. Put so many generational blessings in place until the curses don't stand a chance. Now, I knew right then with her next text that she did not expect me to come with decisions. I think she thought I was going to come with, well, girl, get that oil out and go to slang it, honey, and rebuke that devil right now. We ain't putting up. No, 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 no. I, took, I talked about her decisions. Not a curse. I talked to her about her decisions. Y'all listen. So then they said, what about something like molestation or incest or mental instability? Things that can happen even if you make different decisions you think should lead to better outcomes. And I said, all those things are terrible, yes, but that doesn't mean they're generational curses. And even if you break a curse, it does not mean that you won't start a new one. To me, that's the greater focus. See, I broke the curse of being a molester, but I did not escape nor prevent molestation. But because molestation is an opportunistic spirit just like some of the things that cause mental instability or we can give incest space you can break a curse but if you put two sisters together in a bed innocently curiosity alone can lead to incest and it not be a generational thing every generation is going to try to do something but that's a result of the fall of mankind not the failure of a man or a woman See, listen to what I just said, the last part. I said that is the result of the fall of mankind, not the failure of a man or a woman. Because, see, when we talk about generational curses, the, the go-to mindset that we go to is that our mother failed to protect us, and our daddy failed to protect us, and our grandma failed to protect us, and the babysitter failed to protect us, and you failed to protect yourself, and all of this. But it's not the failure. Y'all, listen, give me a minute. It's not the failure always. I'll even go most of the time. How about that? It's not the failure. And this is going to set you free. It's not the failure. We're talking about these exaggerated things. It is not the failure always of the mother, the father, the grandparent, the uncle. It's just sometimes 
It's the failure of a man, of mankind, not the failure of an individual. Let me help you with something. Y'all, as I, <laughs> we didn't get nowhere. She, she texted me back with some amens. And so I, didn't, I thought about that thing later on, and I called her back. I called her. I didn't get her, blah, blah, blah. But we did, end up, it, we did end up talking. Because when I began to think about that thing, I began to say, I said, okay, there is a theologic component that is missing here. This is not, because, y'all, we know spirituality, but we don't always know textbook theology, many things like dispensationalism, hermeneutics, hermeneutics, things like that. We don't always know, you know, um, creeds and things. You know, we make decrees, but we don't always know church father foundationalism. And when I began to think of it, I said she is totally ignoring the depravity of man. The depravity of man. This is a theologic term used to describe. Watch this, y'all. It occurred to me that she had no room or no foundation, no reflection, no connection to depravity, which is moral corruption and wickedness. But in Christian theology, this is Oxford. You can look this up. In Christian theology, it is the innate corruption of human nature due to original sin. And y'all, let me tell you why that's important. Because the fall of man birthed about, even remember we talked about this in Inside Truth years ago, when God cursed that ground for man's sake. Remember, dust thou, dust thou art and dust thou shalt return. But that dirty DNA, good God Almighty, I want to tell you, y'all, that you are depraved. You depraved all by yourself. It didn't take no curse to do that. And depraved people do depraved things. Y'all, I know you don't want to believe it that you're depraved, but y'all, listen, deprive you, and let's see what'll happen. Deprive you. <laughs> deprive $20 off your check, and let's see what happens. Oh, de get deprived of sex tonight, and let's see what happens. <laughs> get deprived in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and let's see what come out of you. Depravity. Oh, they debate it. They debate it. The elopes debate it. But all you got to do to know what's true is look at you. Y'all, listen. The depravity of man. There's no pretty way to put it. That's why Absalom could do what he did. That's why David could do what he did. David, the psalmist, y'all, was just as depraved. Don't fool yourself. There ain't nobody except Jesus Christ who wasn't him and, and um, Melchizedek <laughs> that ever walked the earth at Enoch. What else are we doing? Joe was a perfect man. The list is short and the chances of your name coming up on it. It's looking pretty bad for you. <laughs> Red life is rolling. It's looking pretty bad for you. You depraved all by yourself. Didn't take nobody's me. I remember praying years ago. I was going on, nigga. I told y'all this story. I'm rebuking and binding. I, I got finally figured out. I couldn't stop nothing. I said, well, God, then don't let my children's testimony be that they survived me. I tell them all the time I gave y'all all this Jesus because I knew who your mama was. Let me tell you something. My son asked me one time, Jeremy. He said, Ma, he said, do you think if if Eve wouldn't have ate the fruit, that mankind would still fall? I said, yeah, somebody was bound to eat it. 
Yeah, I know we want to scapegoat Eve. I said, but son, let me tell you the truth. I said, the truth be told, if it hadn't been ate by now, I would have ate it. What are you talking about? I would have ate it by now. <laughs> if that tree was still here. Y'all, if Eve, I was talking about this this morning. If Eve had not ate the fruit, it was just a matter of time. Perfect surroundings, all of this. Beguile Satan in the, in, 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 but people go to, if you easily persuade it, it's just a matter of time. Because the fall of man did not happen when Eve ate the fruit. When she took the fruit to Adam and he ate. But even if Adam had not ate the fruit and mankind did not fall, it's just a matter of time before somebody say, well, somebody lied because Adam didn't eat it, but Eve ate it. And now Eve know everything and I want to know everything. And somebody else still would have ate it. Oh, it was going to get eight. <laughs> it was going to get eight. You know how you know? Because look all the stuff you done bit out. Lord, I'm sure. I'm a... Y'all baby glass a family program. I tell you what it really is. Y'all, let me tell you something. You would have did it. Didn't take no curse to do that. All it took was d dirt that you just happened to be made of. Y'all listen, David, when I was telling you earlier about the sounds in our head that romanticize our life, and it's okay, your daddy can be a good man and still have done a horrible thing. Your mama can be a good mama and still have done a horrible thing. You can still have a good husband and your husband did a horrible thing. You can still have a good wife and your wife do a horrible thing. We can still have good pastors and pastors can do horrible things. And you can still have good lives and have horrible things happen in your life. I'm not here to take away from nobody's anointed. But I'm telling you that if you can't speak the truth about David, then you'll still be capable of doing what David did. Because Christians are capable of horrible things and still keeping their position and still keeping their reputation. We can even keep our anointing. But God didn't cloak for David. He commanded that this story be written about David too. He didn't just tell us a good thing about David. We just don't read the book of Psalms. We read about what he did and how he responded to the rape of his concubines whom he left in harm's way, whom he opened the door to all of this with his decision with Bathsheba. David escaped being an infidel because he still fed them. That's what the Bible says. If any man, you know, don't, don't care for his house, he said, you're an infidel. You're worse than an infidel and you deny the faith. And David escaped being an infidel, but he was on his deathbed before he stopped his indiscretions. He was on his deathbed before he stopped. These ain't the last concubines David took. Y'all, I said all that to say, that the faces of deliverance, they look like this. That's what it looked like. The faces of deliverance, they look like this. You want to know what the faces of deliverance look like? They look like your face. Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Thou art the man that we all need deliverance from. We all need deliverance from you.
what you're capable of, what you'll do right now if you could get away with it, what you'll do right now if you knew your reputation wouldn't suffer, what you would do right now if you knew your spouse wouldn't leave, what you would do right now if you knew you wouldn't get fired, what you would do right now, come on here. If you knew that God would give you 20 minutes to repent after it, what you'll do right now, who you'll do right now, ain't no age limit on it. What you'll do right now. Come on here. Thou art the man that we all need deliverance from. We need deliverance from you and your nagging self, you and your yelling self, you and your nitpicking self, you and your lazy self, you and your mean, nasty self. You, you, you. It's you. That we need deliverance from. Making you mad. Can't, you can't take no disappointment. People can't be people. It's you we need deliverance from. With your prideful uppity better than everybody. Arrogant self. It's you we need deliverance from. With your judgmental self. It's you with your begging self. It's you we need deliverance from. Y'all, I know that up till now, we have not <laughs> revealed the title of this message. The title of this message is you. Just your name, whoever you are. The title of the message is you. The title of the message is whoever you are, say your name right now. It is not exempt by gender. It is not exempt by age. It is not exempt by anything. The title of the message is you. A toddler can turn your house upside down. The title of the message is you. If you don't have to talk, say your name. Children can split marriages apart. If you don't have to talk, say your name. In-laws tearing up homes. If you don't have to talk, say your name. Come on, somebody. It don't matter if which, what title you got. Everybody, nobody's exempt. The title of the message is you. Prophet, it's you. MK. You know it's me. I tell y'all every time I open my mouth, it's me. And if you ever get delivered, amen, from Kita. MK might stand a chance. <laughs> if Lakita wasn't still lurking, I told y'all a few weeks ago, I said, I still got it, and that's the problem. God Almighty. If I could just get delivered, that's why they said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body? It's in a body of death. I keep killing my own life and my own hopes and my own dreams and my own family self-esteem. I'm the one butchering the finances. It's me. I'm the one. Thou art the man. I'm the man. You the man. Why the church can't grow? You the man. You, yeah, it's, it's you. The title of the message is you. Y'all, let me tell you something. Don't back down now. It was you when we was talking about the face of the worship. When we was using David as the example for a worshiper, you was on board. You was 100%. Come on now. When David, he was fighting all this warfare, and you was fighting like David, fighting. You was dancing like David danced. You was David then. Don't not be David now. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we was talking about Davidic anointing. When we was talking about worship, you was a poster child. <laughs> Setting the tone for your house. And, you know, you was warrior number one. You... <laughs> 
<laughs> you was chasing a thousand. Two of y'all was chasing ten thousand. <laughs> Shout out to five o'clock prayer. You won't do that no more. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Y'all, last Sunday, Pastor Lincoln asked, what are we in denial about? We're in denial about this right here. Hit him with that mirror again. You're in denial about this right here. Y'all, listen. David certainly walked in victory. David got delivered from every foe that was against him. But nobody got delivered from David. Nobody got free from David. He got out of every bond he was ever in. God gave him all his enemies. He even got Bathsheba. The prophet didn't come to after the fact. God didn't even stop him from getting a girl. Ah, that sounds too romantic. God didn't stop him from, from, you know, from getting, from stealing Bathsheba. But nobody got free from David. When David locked them in that house, they died in there. And when we finish getting free from everything else, do you not want us to believe that we don't have to get free from you? Because you okay if your kids get delivered from what their uncle did. And you okay if your wife get delivered from what her daddy did to her. And you okay if your husband get delivered from his mama. You okay if you get, you know, and we're okay if all of this other stuff happens. But we dare not let them get free from us. David didn't have wives. He had conquests. You got some stuff you done conquered. How do we know? The litmus test. Do, do, do you, do, if we ask somebody, to be honest, you feel like a prisoner in your, own, in your own home? Do you feel like a slave to your job? How about this? Are you a prisoner to your own body? I didn't grow up when this ain't no generational curse of obesity on me. But I did start a generational curse of obesity in my children. But this ain't no curse on me. I was a curse in them. This ain't no obesity curse. This Doritos and meat lovers pizza. And oatmeal cookies, I ate three yesterday. I ain't by myself. I woke up at 1, 2 o'clock this morning. Jim had two in the bed. Oatmeal cookies. And cheese curls, them crunchy kinds. This ain't no curse. This is calories. Oh, I'm talking about me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I took up my own self. This ain't no curse. It's calories. Y'all. David got delivered from every foe, but nobody got delivered from David. The entirety of what happened to David and the fate of his moment was bound. The fate of his family was bound to a moment of judgment. David's lineage was bound to the judgment of that moment. Y'all, I'm trying to get back serious. David's lineage was bound to the judgment of that moment. A moment of indiscretion, a moment of indecision. And when you get delivered... From everything except what you're capable of doing. When you break every generational curse, don't forget to break yourself. Hosea 10 and 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness on you. And for nobody else to break up your fallow ground. We ain't doing that no more in a session. You break your own self. You break yourself. You break up your own fallow ground. 
We uproot all these generational curses. He says, so to yourselves in righteousness. Y'all, listen, throughout the Faces of Deliverance, this series, I'm sure we're going to get delivered from many things, including generational curses. But when you get delivered from those curses, don't you go and make new ones. Because you can break all the generational curses you want to. But if it's a generational judgment, you can't rebuke a devil. All you can do is rebuke yourself. If it's a generational judgment, you can't rebuke a devil. All you can do is rebuke yourself. David's family was in shambles, not from a generational curse, but from a generational judgment. And if generational judgment is what you need deliverance from, you can only learn that by the obedience of Jesus Christ. He's the generation of David that did it. Few hasn't, you know, few spotlights here and there, but for the most part, it took Jesus Christ. Y'all, Ezekiel 16 and 44 says, Behold, everyone that uses Proverbs shall use his proverb against thee, saying, As is the mother, so is her daughter. <laughs> Y'all, listen. While we, because remember, y'all, we're talking about the household. We're talking about you, yourself, you and your cousins and your little nephews and nieces, whoever. Y'all, when I read this, behold, everyone that uses this proverb shall say, as is the mother, so is the daughter. This is what the Lord spoke and said. He said, while we were minimizing their exposure to everyone else, we were maximizing their exposure to us. Yeah, why they can't go play over there and they can't go over that person's house and they can't be with so-and-so. While you're minimizing people's exposure to everything else, you are maximizing their exposure to you and that's why you better be delivered. I maximize people's exposure to me, minimize their exposure to you and you know how you've done it because every time we see them now, we keep saying they act just like their daddy. They act just like their mama. It's not the curse, it's the exposure. Because you minimize them from the effects of the curse. But if you, if you continually expose them to the effects of the generational judgment that God speaks in behind what you're doing, then nobody's really going to get free. Y'all, Exodus 18 and 2, I mean, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 18 and 2. It said, the word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, what mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the children's I'm sorry, concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But y'all, here's the good news. The good news is in verse three. We've dealt with the mother. We've dealt with the father. But the good news is in verse three. It says, as I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion to use this proverb in Israel. You should not have occasion anymore. To use this proverb in Israel. Y'all, that's the good news. Because when Jesus healed the lame man, he told the lame man to go and sin no more. He said, let a worse thing come upon you. And that's what deliverance does sometimes. Deliverance buys you time for your mind to make different decisions. While you are getting delivered, y'all, it's to buy you time. It separates you from the curse. I dare not take away from that. But it gives you time to make an independent decision. And if you don't make a healthy decision, you're just going to create another curse. You're just going to create another reason why the prophet has to step in with prophetic judgment. 
We're breaking all these curses in the name of David when really it was a generational judgment. And we've got to look and say, the only curse that we're dealing with now is the one I'm about to perpetuate. Y'all, this is my closing line. <laughs> if we want to stop generational curses, you have to be the generation that stops creating curses. Get delivered from you. Y'all, thank you. Thank you. Amen. For your time and for your attention today. Y'all, I'm going to pray. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we your people, God, come before you. God, to say thank you. Thank you for your word, oh God. Even as we have already decreed, God, that we were going to be attentive and our eyes and our ears were going to be open, oh God, to receive your engrafted word, God. And now that we have received your word, oh Father God, it's able to save our souls, God. Able to save our lives, God. Save our hearts, save our minds, save our families, save our decisions in every quarter. Father God, help us, God, to make the link. In the connection before it's too late between deliverance and decisions. God said, we don't be the generation, oh, Father God, to get delivered from one curse only to make another one, oh, God. And we won't be the jump out for the curses right now, oh, God. And help us, Father God, even now in the name of Jesus, oh, God, to God, submit our lives to you, God. So that we can turn this thing around, Father. So that we can birth generations of children who want God to continue, Father God, in the sanctity, God, of the lifestyle that we live, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, Father. I pray, oh, God, that we will stop, Father God, the cycle, God, of God just perpetuating, God, even now, and even in the name of spirituality, God, but we still keep birthing generations that don't want nothing to do with you. How is it, Father, that we broke all these curses, Father God, and we have such little fruit to show for it? God, help us. God, forgive us. Even now, help us to be the generation, God, that redeems the family from the judgment. From some generational judgments. That maybe we weren't even aware of, God, that have been passed down. Oh, God, even now in the name of Jesus, God. God, help us, God, not to do something, God, that will cause our generations to be judged after us. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, or create a standard, God, that's unfair, God, that our sisters and our brothers and God, our friends will even be judged by the standard of people they hang around with and that standard being us. God, help us, God. God, to represent, God, your righteous, God, healthy, holy judgment in the earth realm, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God. God, that somebody's character won't be misjudged because they hang around us in a negative way, Father. Help us, oh God, to make practical application, God. I pray, God, even for those, God, who will teach Bible study Wednesday, God. I pray for those teachers, God. I pray, God, that they will, God, you would teach them, God, how to teach us, God, how to make healthy decisions, God, that support, God, our deliverance, God. So that we don't return like a dog to our vomit, God. So that we don't go back in the end state of us, God. Be worse, God, than our beginning. We do not want seven more devils, God, worse than the one we had. In Jesus' name, God, in Jesus' name, please, God, help us set a watch upon our mouth. God, I'm not alone. We're trying our best not to curse our own life, God, right now, in Jesus' name. Strengthen us and keep your word in our mouth, Father, God, that we don't sabotage our own lives. In Jesus' name, God, the face of deliverance, God, we will face some things right now about ourselves. 
God, in Jesus' name. And every day, God, this week, God, we commit to facing ourselves, oh God, and facing our attitude and facing our decisions and facing us in the moments, God, that it counts so we can make those healthy decisions. God, thank you for the continuity. Thank you for how you bring all these messages together, oh God, so that we can create, Father God, a platform where we can walk out in faith, God, and live successful as a ministry. God, thank you for our for our pastor, God, our senior pastor, Pastor Lincoln Nelson. God, first lady, Prophet Sister Richard Nelson, thank you for this eldership staff. Thank you for the vision, God, that you have given, God, our pastor, God, concerning this series right here, God, this encounter series, especially these spaces of deliverance. God, continue, God, to keep your hands, God, upon our apostle. And thank you, God, for this great, God, ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, who continually gives us what we need, God, to have to live successful, Father, God, because we don't want to, God, be castaways. We don't want no parts to depart from me. I never knew you. We don't want no parts of that, God. We don't want to have done all of this, God, and come to find out that all our labor had been in vain because we hit iniquity in our heart, God, and you never even heard our prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, that we did all of these great things, oh God, and you allowed them to be done, but you ain't going to let us into heaven for it. Oh God, no, no, God. God, no. God, even if we can get in your presence, if we can't get into heaven, God, what are we doing? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us not to be deceived. Father, even now in the name of Jesus, God, because it's not a works lest any man should boast. God, in Jesus' name, help our hearts to stay humble. Help our hearts to stay submitted, oh God. Don't let us walk in deception. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you, we praise you, and we love you, God. Continue, God, even now to keep your hand upon us, God. For you said the Spirit shall return to God who gave it. But God, our souls, God, going to still be in danger? Father, let it not be so, God, in the name of Jesus. Don't let our spirit do all this work, God, and for our soul to find out, God, it wasn't even saved. Father, in the name of Jesus. We don't want to, God, have done all of this and be a hypocrite. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't want to get in like Hezekiah. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and even when the prophet, he said, okay, everything you said, but he exposed his riches to, to the people who came in, and the prophet came in, and he said, you're going to lose all this, and Hezekiah said, okay, but not in my generation. God, we don't want to be okay with us being okay and let everybody else, God, just be a mess. No, we want to stop it with us. God, for our cousins, for our friends, for our family, for our God children, our real, you know, our, our blood children. God, everything. God, help us. Help us for one another, God. Help us to be the threefold core. God, is not quickly broken, God. Charlotte, Florida, God, even Jersey, God, help us to be that threefold core that is not quickly broken in every place, God, and every place we touch, Father, in Jesus' name. We love you. We honor you. We praise you, God. Thank you for what you saved us from doing. Thank you, God, from stopping us from saying the thing we were about to say. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for not letting us sabotage. God, our own self. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. 
Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchatphila.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchatphila.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.